July 25th. In the New Testament today, we'll be reading from the book of Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 24. In a part of the Bible that emphasizes the sovereignty of God, we see Paul sorrowing, we see him praying and worshiping. He did not feel that God's sovereignty in any way destroyed man's responsibility. The God who ordains the end, that is saving the lost, also ordains the means to the end, the prayers and witness of His people. They go together. God is not obligated to save anybody, for all deserve to be condemned. Even Israel was chosen only because of His grace and love. Therefore, nobody can criticize God or say He is unfair. That He is merciful to sinners should make us rejoice. Israel's rejection of Christ did not ruin God's plan, for He went to the Gentiles who gladly received the good news. However, God has a remnant among the Jews, and believing Jews and Gentiles are one in the church. That's because His mercy endures forever. July 25th, Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 24. In the presence of Christ, I, Paul, speak with utter truthfulness. I do not lie, and my conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm that what I am saying is true. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. They are the people of Israel, chosen to be God's special children. God revealed His glory to them. He made covenants with them and gave His law to them. They have the privilege of worshiping Him and receiving His wonderful promises. Their ancestors were great people of God, and Christ Himself was a Jew, as far as His human nature is concerned. And He is God, who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Well then, has God failed to fulfill His promise to the Jews? No, for not everyone born into a Jewish family is truly a Jew. Just the fact that they are descendants of Abraham doesn't make them truly Abraham's children. For the Scriptures say, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted, though Abraham had other children too. This means that Abraham's physical descendants are not necessarily children of God. It is the children of the promise who are considered to be Abraham's children. For God had promised, Next year I will return, and Sarah will have a son. This son was our ancestor Isaac. When he grew up, he married Rebekah, who gave birth to twins. But before they were born, before they had done anything good or bad, she received a message from God. This message proves that God chooses according to His own plan, not according to our good or bad works. She was told, The descendants of your older son will serve the descendants of your younger son. In the words of the Scriptures, I loved Jacob, but I rejected Esau. What can we say? Was God being unfair? Of course not. For God said to Moses, I will show mercy to anyone I choose and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. So, receiving God's promise is not up to us. We can't get it by choosing it or working hard for it. 
God will show mercy to anyone he chooses. For the scriptures say that God told Pharaoh, I have appointed you for the very purpose of displaying my power in you, and so that my fame might spread throughout the earth. So you see, God shows mercy to some just because he wants to, and he chooses to make some people refuse to listen. Well then, you might say, why does God blame people for not listening? Haven't they simply done what he made them do? No, don't say that. Who are you, a mere human being, to criticize God? Should the thing that was created say to the one who made it, Why have you made me like this? When a potter makes jars out of clay, doesn't he have a right to use the same lump of clay to make one jar for decoration and another to throw garbage into? God has every right to exercise His judgment and His power but he also has the right to be very patient with those who are the objects of his judgment and are fit only for destruction. He also has the right to pour out the riches of his glory upon those he prepared to be the objects of his mercy, even upon us whom he selected, both from the Jews and from the Gentiles. Take heed to yourselves which in the vernacular would be watching. Watch it. If thy brother trespass against thee, and it happens, people do offend us and trespass against us, rebuke him. And if he repent, do what? Forgive him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And you know, people would say, well, forgive him, but what if he keeps doing it and keeps doing it? Do I keep forgiving him? Keep, yeah, even if he does it seven times a day and repents seven times a day, you keep forgiving him seven times a day. You see, the principle, people, is very simple. The Christian has the obligation of forgiveness. Listen, this is important. There is nothing, there is nothing that anybody has ever done to you in any situation that is unforgivable. Did you get that? There is absolutely nothing that falls into the category of beyond forgiveness. I don't care what anybody has done to you. I don't care how they have offended you. I don't care how they have wounded you or how they have grieved you or how they have injured you. doesn't matter what it is. Nothing falls outside the context of Scripture. There is no such thing as something for which you cannot forgive somebody else. You say, wait, why do you say that? The reason I say that is because there is nothing that you have ever done in your life that is outside the forgiveness of God, and that's the standard, right? You are to forgive one another even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. When you come to Christ and believe in Him and receive Jesus Christ, is there any sin at that point that is unforgivable? Absolutely not. It doesn't matter what it was, whether it was a moral issue, whether you were the vilest, rottenest, lowest reprobate on the earth, whether it was a religious issue and you are the world's worst false teacher, it doesn't matter what it is. If you come and kneel at the cross to receive Christ, there is nothing that is unforgivable. If you were a soldier who pounded a nail into the hand of Jesus Christ, if you were a soldier who rammed a spear into his side, 
If you are a mocker who spit in his face, that is all forgivable. All of it is forgivable. And as Christ has forgiven you, 1 John 2, 12, all your trespasses, that's the standard by which you forgive one another. There is nothing that is unforgivable. Nothing. Now that's a high standard, isn't it? You say, but you don't know what he did to me. Well, I don't care. There is nothing. You don't know what you did to God either, and he forgave that, and that's the standard. It doesn't matter what it was, whether it was a moral issue, whether you were the vilest, rottenest, lowest reprobate on the earth, whether it was a religious issue and you are the world's worst false teacher, it doesn't matter what it is. If you come and kneel at the cross to receive Christ, there is nothing that is unforgivable. If you were a soldier who pounded a nail into the hand of Jesus Christ, if you were a soldier who rammed a spear into his side, if you were a mocker who spit in his face, that is all forgivable. All of it is forgivable. And as Christ has forgiven you, 1 John 2, 12, all your trespasses, that's the standard by which you forgive one another. Today we're reading in Psalm 19, verses 1 through 14, and we'll read that God reveals Himself in creation, that's pretty obvious, in the Scriptures. That's also obvious to anyone who reads the Scriptures, and in your heart as you worship Him. Those are the three main ways that God reveals Himself to a person. See, to be properly educated in spiritual things, you must seek to master three books, the book of nature the Bible, and the book of humanity. A scientist studies the book of nature and a psychologist the book of human nature, but if they ignore God's book, their conclusions may be wrong. Keep balanced. All truth is God's truth. The goal of all study is a knowledge of Jesus Christ and of yourself. As we read these verses, verses 7 through 11, tell you what the Bible can do for you if only you'll read it meditate on it and obey it. The better you understand your Bible and obey it, the more you'll appreciate God's creation and the better you'll understand yourself and others. God's Word is the basic book. So open each day beholding God's glory in Jesus Christ. Enter each day with the devotion of a bridegroom and the determination of an athlete. At the end of the day, what you have done will please Him. Psalm 19, verses 1 through 14. For the choir director, a psalm of David. The heavens tell of the glory of God. The skies display His marvelous craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make Him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is silent in the skies. Yet their message has gone out to all the earth, and their words to all the world. 
The sun lives in the heavens where God placed it. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight to life. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true, each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to those who hear them. There is great reward for those who obey them. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep me from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. Wine produces mockers. Liquor leads to brawls. Whoever is led astray by drink cannot be wise. <laughs> 